Jol kali. The following program was brought to you by Yodokali. Keeping it weird since 1997. Oh. Who's that? Who are you? You're not allowed to be in here. Hey, yo, somebody get their grandma. Huh? Ah! Ah! Now you gotta do it like this. What's Up is back with another two hours of fully youth-produced content, tapping into the matters and concerns of youth in Chicago. As well as all the crazy, wacky, tea-sipping, gossip-spilling, weird shenanigans that we, youth, get up to. Listen to your own risk, because your mind might explode. The chances are low, but never zero. So strap in, and let's get into the show! What's up? You're listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpin' Radio, broadcasting live from Studio B in Bridgeport. My name is Sebastiana, and I'm here with Brian, Yolo, and Angel. Today, we'll be talking about your deepest, darkest secret littering. If someone asks if you litter, would you tell the truth? Or do you only throw orange pills and apple cores out the window? What happens to the trash we produce? Well, You'll find out in today's show. We will be sharing people's opinions on littering from our Instagram chat and our Vox Populi. You will also hear an audio piece about dumpster diving and recycling, as well as an interview with Little Village Environmental Justice Organization. You're listening to What's Up Radio. Radio. Active. No littering on this show. So today we will be listening to a Vox Populi that I made. Um, basically, this Vox Populi, I went around asking people at school what their thoughts were on littering, and that's basically all of it. So, yeah. So, for this Vox Populi, I decided to interview people at my school. At my school, there's people from across Chicagoland area as well as outside of the Chicagoland area, as I have a few classmates that live in Indiana. For this particular Vox Populi, I decided to interview two teachers as I felt it would be important to also hear their perspectives on littering. Both of them, coincidentally, are also science teachers. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this Vox Populi that focuses on people's ideas on littering. Who am I here with today? Leighton Mueller. Stella Sturgill. Sophia. Santana Romero. Erica. My name is Fred. Sharon Housinger. I'm one of the human beings currently living in Hyde Park, Chicago. What neighborhood do you live in? I live in Willowbrook. It's a southwest suburb of Chicago. I live in Hyde Park. I'm South Shore. I live in Woodlawn, more south side. I live in Indiana. I live in Lincoln Park. I live in a rural neighborhood called Crete. I live in North Cambodia. Would you say you litter? No, I'm actually pretty conscious about all the trash that I produce, and I try to recycle as much as possible. I try not to. Um, I try to avoid it, but sometimes, definitely. I don't know. I don't litter. No. Uh, no. No, never. No, on the contrary. I'm one of the people who is speaking garbage all the time from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on littering? I think it's pretty gross. I, I Sometimes I try to pick up if I have a chance I'm close to a trash can. I try to pick it up. I think when neighborhoods are clean or cities are clean, it really just 
adds to the element of a city and makes it a more friendly place for all people. It's not necessarily that certain people litter, litter more than others. It's the amount of investment that goes into cleaning it up. I think just inherently people don't always think about their waste and how their individual waste contributes to there being like a lot more. And so I think in the areas that you see that where there's more litter, there's sometimes an assumption that it's because of the people, but I think it's less because of the people and more because of where the government is funding their money. I think it's very bad because we shouldn't have like our streets super dirty and I think it's disrespectful to the people around? Um, I think a lot of the time, maybe it's like lack of resources, like there aren't trash cans or something like that, but I feel like a lot of time it's like lazy, not considering the environment, you know? I hate it because it makes the earth look ugly and I would never do that. I think littering is bad for the environment and for the people because it's messy and it doesn't look nice. I hate it. I think that I like things to look as neat and clean and beautiful as possible because it makes living and existing in an area nicer and healthier for everyone. So I really don't like litter and I clean it up when I find it. It's one of the most frustrating experiences that I have lived in my neighborhood because I'm always collecting garbage from people who are walking by. Even people who live in mansions don't care about the garbage that is outside their fences. I wasn't raised. I mean, I come from a different country, you know, and I feel like there is something that I don't fully understand why people don't care about garbage in the street. It bothers me a lot. So to end off this audio piece, I would like to ask you now, the listener, do you litter? And what do you think about littering? Yeah, so what did we think? There was a lot of mixed responses right there, too. Um, I want to know if you know the guy who said it's gonna is from a different country. Do you know where he is from? Um, so I actually don't know, but from what I've heard, he's from Spain, I think. Hmm. And he grew up in a farm, as you said. He's kind of had like three different lives. It's kind of crazy. He kind of does a lot of stuff. And he just like started off with a farm and now he's like a physics teacher at school. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like being in a farm, I feel like since they're furthers from like the city they're they're probably more aware of that whether they're not also and it's also to keep clean like the fields i guess you know so mm-hmm. i guess it makes sense now yeah what did you think sebastiana um i was just thinking about how many people said how much how much they used the word i hate littering i hate littering and then that makes me wonder if they would have um admitted to it if you weren't standing right there in front of them. Um, I think everyone has really good intentions, but I think we all fall short every now and then. That's true. So we asked some questions on Instagram, um, asking people their thoughts on littering, and I think Brian has screenshots of that. Yeah, I have the answers. And one of the first questions that we asked people is a straightforward one. Also, uh, Yolo asked her in her Vox family, and it's, have you littered? We got 37 responses, and we got a majority of votes say no with 54%, and then the rest of the people, 46%, they say yes. But I'm also wondering, wondering, are they being honest? You know, um, I definitely think there's no shame in admitting if you have litter because you can always use uh, change that, you know, if you just buy stuff in that. And... Also, the next question that we ask them is, when is it okay to litter? And a lot of people just say never. Um, 
we're gonna someone that said whenever I have trash shame on you man when you're like composting I wonder what's what does that mean oh composting, composting. basically it's when you um, have like leftover food and you throw it in dirt and if oh, you do it that. the correct way it like basically makes like your homemade dirt it's like a recipe that takes like a year or now since we're like evolved you can buy these um, composting little machines that make your food scraps into dirt in like hours but is that considered littering do you guys think no i, I think that's just know. being aware of like uh, being aware of what to do with your um where you waste in my opinion yeah and also another funny response it's uh when it's at someone house someone's house that you don't like <laughs> i guess <laughs> uh also we got i don't really think it's okay to litter but you have no option, hmm, I guess. Uh, also, we are more never answers mm-hmm. because people are just not, just against it. It's also, someone says it's not okay, but I'm guilty of leaving cigarette butts. So sorry, Mother Nature. Yeah, you better apologize. <laughs> when it's in an, an accident, when isn't an accident? I, I, I gotta know what, like. Yeah. Uh, how do you throw there by accident, and how do you know it's by accident? Because if it's by accident, then when when not just like pick it up. You know? Maybe it's when like something accidentally falls out of your backpack and you don't realize until mm. you're home. But still, then like I guess maybe, I guess. but not really. Or mm. maybe it's when um, when you're eating outside and a napkin blows away in the wind. At some point, I'm not chasing it. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, it's kind of like a lost cause. You just see it float away, and you're just like. It's not even worth it. Oh, no. Okay. And the next um, question that we ask is, have you thrown out something you regret? We got, yes, a filling cabinet. Filing. All food, all food always. I hate it. I have so many food purchases regret. Oh, wow. Also, I always feel horrible throwing away spoiled food. Yes, I threw out an old pair of jeans, and now I really wish I had them. <laughs> Broken earrings that I could have repaired, and yes, I do. But I feel like they just they miss the point of it. Not when it comes to when women regret, like not that you regret that you throw it because you could have used it, but women like that could affect the environment. Because yeah. I personally, I. When I was little kid, I was uh, when I was little. I do, uh, and made throwing out a lot of gum. And later on, I learned that birds eat the gum, and the mm-hmm. the gum can get stuck in their intestines, and it and it's just they you cannot breathe anymore. Oh, and yeah. when I learned about that, I was like, oh no! And I don't chew gum at all, and not because of that, but not anymore. But I also became aware of that a lot. I also heard about the birds um, that if it's still like really sticky, it'll get stuck in their beak and then mm-hmm. they won't be able to remove it as well. So it's just like a really big issue with birds and gum. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. Like, I still be eating my gum though. I'm going to be really honest with you, but, <laughs> but I make sure to put it in like in between like a little paper mm-hmm, okay. and then I throw it out because like I want to be like a self-conscious queen, you know, I want to save the birds. Yeah. yeah. But once again, I feel like a lot of people are not just not being really honest, but once again, there's no shame on, on just yeah. admitting it. Just um, at least be more aware of it and just say something like, oh, next time I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll I'll just throw away stuff. If you have if you have litter or if you have like stuff, 
the uh, trash that you that you you are holding and there's no garbage can, then why not just hold onto it and then just throw it out when you get home? That's what I do. Even if it's just like a napkin that I've used already, it might be gross, but there's no other way. Like why why just throw it out in the street? Just look for a garbage can, hold onto it. It's not gonna be there forever unless you forget about it. Yeah. It's uh, for me like it's always in my head, and if I see a garbage can, then boom, it's it's right there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys, what, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, do you guys feel gross like that sometimes? I don't. I wouldn't say that I feel gross, but I have been in the situations where I wanted to throw something away while I'm walking or driving, and I had to travel a really, really far, and I just didn't know where I could find a garbage can. So I feel like that's annoying. And for the people who don't have the patience and don't want to hold on to trash, I can understand why they would just give up and drop it on the ground. So I feel like a way to combat that would be to um, place more garbage cans out on the street and in different places to make it more accessible. So even if people do have the urge to drop something on the ground, maybe in the glimpse, they'll see a garbage can and take the extra steps to throw it away properly. That's something that Stella brought up as well in the audio piece where she was talking about how sometimes people think it's the people living in the neighborhoods that create this litter, but it's in fact like where the money goes for the community with the like aspect of littering, which makes like our neighborhoods look really dirty, but it's kind of like not their fault. But something else that kind of like really like infuriates me is sometimes we're like driving to school while my mom is and we'll see someone literally throw out from their car like you have no excuse to be doing this throwing out like a bag filled with trash like why are you doing that like what do you think about that Diego Uh, I think like honestly if it's in your car you have enough time to keep it in the car until you eventually run into a trash can or like a trash bin and then thinking about that, uh, someone said, when I have no other option, like, what? Do, when is there no other option? Yeah, like, is it, like, when you have your hands full and you can't carry any more stuff and you just, like, force to throw it out? Like, when is there no other option to throw it out? What do you guys think? I mean, I'm saying, like, I don't know. I guess some, sometimes people, I've seen a lot of people not using, like, backpacks or anything. So, I guess, if you have your hands busy, then I guess you got no choice, but... I don't know. It's, it's still, I still think that there should be a way for them to find um, to find a way to th- th- throw them away. And um, but also one of the questions what raised up is where does trash go? And that's actually something that's gonna come up in the next Audi piece made by Diego. So let's go and listen to it. Up, Terry. Yeah, just like that. Yeah. A bit more. Okay, perfect. Stop. Hey Roger, I got a question. It's been puzzling me. Do you ever just think about where the trash goes after the landfill? Eh, that's a good question, but I don't know, man. I just work here. And we're back. Uh, where? Don't you guys love Diego's audio pieces? Yeah. yeah. He's always so creative. And I love his little, like, 
alter ego with that voice. I, I remember. I feel like he needs to make it a character and give it a name. Yeah. Because we hear it every time. Yeah. So Diego, if you're listening to it, just think a name about this guy, and maybe we just make it a, a, a Yolo Kali meme. It'll be awesome. Yeah, we should, and then it could be like on merch and stuff. We become like famous. Or he could be oh. like the the image of of what's up. His name is Roger. Oh, oh his name is Roger. His name is Roger. We does have a name, Roger. Well, thank you, Roger. Thank you, Roger, for all these amazing pieces and your silliness. Yeah. So, um, once we were thinking about where does trash go, we were thinking about what do we do with our trash. So, for the last week, we've been um, documenting like what we throw out. So. Yeah. So we we just want to see what tells us about the stuff that we throw out, and also make us think. That not just us, but everyone in the world gets to throw out uh, something, thing like this, and even worse things. And um, I guess I just want to get it over with because probably mine is kind of long. Okay. But I'll probably like in short summary, uh, I started. We started documenting this since Saturday, and on Saturday I threw out a lot of plastic bottles. Uh, also, I drank a coffee, you know, the paper cup, and I noticed a pattern because I drink a lot of coffee. And that, that was a lot of those uh, paper cups. And throughout my journey on this journal, uh, a lot of aluminum cans from sodas. That is uh, also something that I noticed. And also some um, some recyclable things. I actually looked at the numbers. And I really don't know what it means for now. But I noticed that the plastic wrapping of the sandwich bags, like of the, of the bread that you use, have the number four on it. And also, uh, a lid, the lids from the Dunkin' Donuts uh, paper cups have the number five. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I, I do see a difference right there, but also, I'm like, I'm curious. And it also makes me think, should I be separating them? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Do they, is, is it okay to put them all together? And also, I notice how much just like leftover food I, I just thrown out also makes me wonder, should I just like get like a separate uh, garbage can in my house so we can just throw the leftover foods? Or like what it's like, I guess kind of consider it because I know my grandma in Mexico does that and she uses this for her garden, mm-hmm. which it's really effective. Her garden looks beautiful. And like stuff like that, I throw out like bones, uh, I throw out just like leftover like pizza. Like yesterday I had some, a lot of leftover pizza some chips that didn't finished, uh, a lot of uh, paper plates also I threw out. But yeah, uh, that, we we do recycle a lot of my house. We are aware of that too. But I, I kind of wish like we were more informed about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I noticed the same thing in my journal that when I scrape like food off my plate or anything like that, I, um, I wonder like should I be composting this? So mm-hmm. maybe there'll be something I'd get more into. Um, I also noticed how many water bottles I throw away. I try to consume enough water in a day, so that requires a lot of water bottles. Um, I also throw away a lot of empty containers from stuff like conditioner or soap or um, what else? Toothpaste, like all those things. I did recycle them, but then it makes me wonder, like, am I properly recycling this plastic? Um, I also throw throw away a lot of paper towels every time I wash my face I use two paper towels um so that's Mm. 
creating a lot of garbage, but I use the paper towels because using a washcloth or a reusable towel, they say like there's a lot of, you know, germs and stuff, bacteria with those. So in my mind, I'm trying to protect my skin by using paper towels, but I'm producing a lot more trash. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I noticed in my journal. Uh, for me, for my journal, the biggest thing that I noticed was a lot of pieces of paper because uh, I'm studying writing. And then for nearly all my classes, what we do is that we hand out each other's work. And so like on Monday, this person passed out an eight-page story to every single student. Uh, and, it was a, and it was a class of 18. So it's 18 times eight, all those pieces of paper. And it's just a lot. And on Thursday, uh, I threw, I recycled 45 pieces of paper. So wow. I, I was just like thinking to myself with this journal, like, how much paper do we typically go through? Like, not even like not even a day, but in a week, you know, like there's worksheets, there's informational brochures, like there's so much paper and just like, how, where does that lead to? You know, how, how much paper are we consuming? And it's like, is it safe for the environment? Is, is it really being recycled effectively at the pace that it's being used? So, yeah, that was just my journal. I also noticed that I also eat a lot of fruit cups. I uh, recycled, <laughs> like, nearly seven different fruit cups this week alone and a lot of muffins as well. So it, on, on the muffins as well, there was a number. There was a number four. So just like uh, what Diego said. Ooh. Brian. Yeah, Brian. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> I was thinking what Brian said, you know, what do the numbers mean? And I think it's really important that we uh, know that way. Uh, so we can learn all yeah. about recycling. You mean you mean the plastic wrap uh, of the of the muffin? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that was uh, plastic wrap from the the sandwich bread. So sandwich bread. Yeah. Oh. That makes sense. That's number four. Yeah. yeah. So this week, um, uh, my usual routine is that I buy lunch from the school, which you can already imagine creates a good amount of tra or like um, trash. So usually I throw out like a paper plate and um, usually a little container and a water bottle like Sebastiana because I usually get like um, a liter water bottle liter water bottle during lunch so that I can be like hydrated because that's really important as well as during the weekends um, on Sundays I usually go to the library and get my homework done which means I pack my snacks and by being like money like friendly it's also a bunch of trash because I don't buy like um, reusable plastic bags which I think I should start doing because I was throwing away um, after my um, library trip I threw away like four different Ziploc bags because I separated my fruit into four different ones because I don't like when my fruit mixes but yeah I threw out like a lot of like Ziploc bags I'm big on Ziploc bags mm. and then as well as this week I baked because I was bored and I threw away like six sheets of parchment paper because each pan is one sheet of parchment paper and like three to four sheets of aluminum foil because you need to cover like this stuff. But I've been looking into it and aluminum foil can be replaced with beeswax, like little cloths. Mm -hmm. If you get it from good quality and you put it on top, like it works like pretty good. And the beeswax wraps are biodegradable as well. So I was looking into that and I think I'm going to start looking into that as like an alternative for when I'm baking. But yeah. Beeswax. Do you, do you think it will affect also the the flavor or you baking? That'll, that'll be cool. That would be cool. I don't think so though, because the beeswax like it's not gonna melt into it. But I was I was thinking like it does not melt. I, no. I wonder like what it's made of. It means it's made out of beeswax. 
But yeah, but that's yeah, not well, nails. What's beeswax? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Like it's beeswax. <laughs> yeah, it's the wax that comes from the bees. No, it's not honey. You yeah, know, so it's, it's not, not gonna like. But like, it, it's wax. It's, it's not gonna melt when when no. you bee. Because it's it's like it's like solido. Like it's solid. It's solid. Once it like um hardens and like dries up mm. on the sheet, it like. It becomes one with the sheet. Okay, okay, hold on. <laughs> I don't know nothing about baking. So, where, like, how do you use it again, once again? Like beeswax? Yeah, or like the sheets. Mm. Oh, the sheets. oh, like, oh, so parchment paper, you put it on, um, like, a pan when you're trying not to get the product that you're making stuck to the pan because it's basically, like, a healthy way of alternative of not having to, like, put butter on the pan so the cookies don't get stuck and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... And there's still sheets of bees. That's not oh, what you no, no, would no, no, use no. the beeswax for. The beeswax wrap would be used to cover like the bowl oh. with the cookie dough. Oh my god! I thought you were talking about a whole beeswax. It, oh, on the sheet. It is yeah. a sheet of beeswax, but she's saying she used it to cover the cake. I don't know if you can put that in the oven. I do know if people use beeswax to like wrap up something to yeah. store in a refrigerator that's what, that's what i was thinking yeah about. but i don't think it like goes inside the oven so I it shouldn't it be experiencing heat yeah so i don't think Wait, yeah is beeswax common to find or is it like can you go into a store and find it or what you can get it from whole foods but from what i've heard hmm. the things that they sell on whole foods it's not good quality like oh. you have to get it from hmm. like a small business because the wraps like it's like already like breaking within itself when you get it out and it's not supposed to be like that and there was this tiktok i watched where this girl was talking about how if you have this one initial bad experience with something being like biodegradable and eco savvy or whatever you usually start like moving away from it because you have like this one like deterred already experience that you're like it wasn't really even worth it like i spent like six dollars on this and it didn't work out but it's just like that brand that you got was complete dookie and it's not good mm. but yeah oh okay and one there's one question i want to ask you guys uh-huh. what do you think all this waste that you throw out tells about yourself or probably your household do you guys think it's like looking at looking at the trash that you dispose of do you guys think it's really unhealthy or do you guys think do you guys have an opinion was like oh it's not that bad for our household i think that me as an individual and my household that we use a lot of plastic but I think that is something that's very challenging to avoid um I recently watched this YouTube video about a environmentalist environmentalist activist her name was like B Johnson or something mm-hmm. and she dedicated a year of her life to the zero waste lifestyle so she would use reusable bags um and make her own like makeup and stuff like that and by the end of the year all of her trash could fit in a jar so i don't know if that's realistic for every human but i think it's something to consider yeah i think it's a good idea to consider probably reusing some things maybe make some do some research about it and just like you said do your own makeup or i don't know just make like your own DIY cups. I, I think there's a lot of like guides on YouTube or just like workshops that can help you with that. Uh, you are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. This is What's Up. And this is Radioactive. We'll be by this breaks.
And we're back. Once again, you are listening to What's Up. This is a radioactive show, no learning on this show. I have a question for all of you guys listening. Have you ever noticed that the stuff that you recycle can be categorized and it's all separated to by numbers? If you have seen them, have you ever wondered what they mean? Well, worry not, because we have an audio piece by my angel where he will guide us through the different types of recycling. So let's go ahead and listen to it. Nice shot, Pinkman. But you took a paper ball in the trash can instead of the recycling bin. But Mr. Trash, what's the point of even recycling? What good does it even do? And there's so many different types of recycling that it's so confusing. Well, I'm glad you asked. Listen up everyone, as we're going to learn how to reuse, reduce, and recycle, as there are so many different types of way of recycling. Well, the most approachable types of recycling are primary, secondary, and hereditary. But what exactly do these mean? Well, primary recycling is the reuse and donation of items. Let's say you trade in a video game or donate some clothes at a thrift store. This is exactly what primary recycling is. It's maintaining the primary purpose of the item. Secondary recycling is using items yet again, but giving them a new purpose in life rather than their original function. Got a couple of tires laying around for some reason? Well, you can use them in the back and create a garden with them. Maybe you have multiple cardboard boxes from deliveries. You can use them to create little houses for cats. Secondary recycling is all about using your imagination to see what new items you can create. Dang, that's a lot of information, yo. But what else is there? Finally, there is hereditary recycling, which is the one most of us are familiar with and the one we associate when we think of recycling. This is changing products via mechanical and chemical recycle. Materials and products are reprocessed and restructured to become new items. That paper you got there? Well, chances are it will become a water bottle in the future. Wow, Mr. Trash, I'm starting to understand this a bit more. But you mentioned mechanical and chemical recycling. Uh, what exactly is that? Well, the two most central types are mechanical and chemical recycling. Mechanical is the most general method. It's the process of, let me write this down, transforming plastics, paper, and glass into new materials without changing the chemical components of them. You learned this in biology, most likely. This includes drying, grinding, washing, and much more. What is the other type of recycling? Well, it's chemical. I know a lot of us, including me, failed biology and chemistry, but, but just try to follow along. Chemical recycling is using heat, chemical reactions, and other processes to break down plastics, waste, and other raw materials into new plastic, fuel, and products. Think of it as using a furnace in Minecraft to make resources, such as burning ores to get iron. Chemical recycling is relatively new, but with continuous advancements in technology, it can become a primary way to transform waste. Now our brains are 
definitely overstuffed right now. So before we continue on with the lesson, any questions? Yo, hold on, Mr. Trash. Every time I try to recycle something, there are numbers on the back near the logo. What do they mean? That's a good question, Pinkman. You're probably throwing away plastic, whether it be clear plastic sealing a video game, or maybe plastic window packaging for toys. Have you ever wondered about the different types of plastic? What the different numbers on a recycling logo mean? Well, look no further. Number one represents PET, but oh, Welcome to class, Walter. Number one presents PET plastic, which includes soda bottles and water bottles. These are easily recyclable. Secondly, you got HDPE recycle. These are milk containers, detergent packages, and all the plastic used in packaging for cleaning and antibacterial products. Luckily, all of these items are safe to recycle. When you see a number three, it means that the product is a PVC plastic. Even when there is a recycling logo, these items cannot be recycled. It's better to contact local communities in your area to see what you can do with your PVC products. I don't mean to make you snore, but let's talk about number four. LDPE plastic, which is number four, includes wraps as well as sandwich and plastic bags. You probably got tons of these all around the house. Obviously, you can use these bags as smaller trash bags, or you can recycle them at your local Target. Don't forget to reuse them and avoid spending seven cents at stores. Now we arrive at number five, which is PP plastic. <laughs> now calm down, calm down. PP plastics are containers for sour cream, yogurt, butter, and any food related materials that needs to be refrigerated. When you're done eating, just know that they're safe to throw in the blue bin. We're at number six, and there ain't any tricks. We all know what styrofoam is, especially when ordering big packages and drinks. Just know that not all styrofoam can be recycled. While a coffee cup can, the styrofoam used to package products may not be. Did you get all that, Pinkman? My brain, all this information is about to explode! Well, it seems like I didn't have enough time to get to our lesson plan for the day. In the end, I hope you learned all about the different ways to recycle and how you can help make a change. Remember to reduce, reuse, and recycle. And we're back. Uh, what an interesting audio piece. I can relate to the little character in the audio piece. Uh, my brain's about to explode. There, there is so much information to learn. Uh, I did notice that in my journal, I did put some numbers and I remember recall seeing the number four and the number five, the PP uh, type of recycling. <laughs> Don't laugh, please. <laughs> and um, what? What can you tell? What can you tell us more? Can you tell us more about this, Angel? Uh, yeah. So, researching into this uh, uh, audio piece, I, I knew that there were different types of recycling: the primary, secondary, and hereditary. Mm -hmm. And then I was just gonna focus primarily on them. But then, uh, you, when we were meeting once, uh, you guys brought up the numbers. I'm like, that's true. I, you know, I never really did look into the numbers, and that would be really interesting to see. I think the most surprising thing when researching the numbers is that you learn that not all of them can be recycled, even mm -hmm. though they have the recycled logo. Yeah, number three, that is interesting. Yeah, so that was like PVC plastic. Uh, I don't know if you know, like PVC pipes, like the hard uh, plastic pipes. 
Um, I remember back in fifth grade, I used to be in robotics, and we used to use PVC pipes. Oh and gosh, after the yeah. teacher, the teacher would be like, "Oh, recycle them." And then I guess looking back now, not really. And then I think also it was number six or seven, which was styrofoam, which can't be like if it's, it's small months. styrofoam, it can be recycled. And but it's large styrofoam for like large packages, it can't be. So I think it was like really interesting the fact that they have the recycling logo yet they can't exactly be recycled. That was that it's like what's the point of even having a recycling logo? Yeah, that is that is really curious. Um, Yolo, you you said that you you were agreeing to the robotics or something like that. You you related or no? Oh well, I just have a few friends that do robotics, and I hear them always talking about PVC pipes, yeah. and Ooh. I was just like, yeah, it's like a very common thing because it like I don't know. I'm not a robotics gal, but it just sounds interesting. But yeah. Angel, you said that your teacher would tell you all to recycle the pipes. Yeah. So uh, like when obviously, you know, fifth graders with uh, metal blades and cutting hard plastic pipes, you're going to have some uh, messes up. So we had to like every time we messed it up, she'd be like, what do we do with it? She's like, oh, just recycle it. So mm -hmm. we would just, like, throw it in. Because you know how every school has a small blue mm -hmm. bin to recycle. So we would just throw it in there. And I guess, like, looking back now, you know, she was wrong for that. But yeah. at the same time, I don't know what else we would have done with the PVC pipes. Now that I think about it, a fifth grader's was a bunch of pipes and blades. It's not the safest <laughs> thing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, something else that's interesting is that I remember in public school when I would go, even at the school I go to now, um, you would have like the recycling bin and the trash bin. And then at the end of the day, when the janitors would just pull up, they would put everything in the same trash bin. Like some like places, they don't even actually recycle, which is interesting as well to think about. Yeah, one of the things that you talk about at the beginning of your RDPs, and it's a type of recycling that I completely forgot about. And it's obviously, yeah, it's like reusable stuff. Uh, there was the primary, you said, where you can use others. Like, I guess you can donate, like, for example, when you donate something, like like a shirt, like old shirt, it's going to be reused that is considered recycling. And yeah, that's mm -hmm. true, because I do remember uh, my mom saying that all the time, oh, just recycle it, meaning that we can just give it uh, away to someone else from my family, you know? Mm -hmm. That's something I I, I completely completely forgot about. It. Like, like, just listening to her piece made me, made me remember about it. Yeah, I, so I also really liked the, like the secondary, uh, the secondary type, which was you take an item but you give it a new purpose. I feel like for a lot of items that we have that we no longer have use for, we can do so much stuff with it. Like an old laptop, you can use like mm -hmm. if it doesn't work anymore, you can use it to like decorate your room or aesthetic purposes. <laughs> Grab like the key, like the keyboards. <laughs> The keyboards you can like put all over the place, and I just really like how it's not considered trash; it's more considered recycling. I have a question: What would be considered to, let's say, your laptop doesn't work, and use the laptop and just like scrap it for its parts that you can be reused? Where will that be categorized to? Uh, I guess where you use the parts. Because if you use it for like, if you use the parts for the, what the primary function was for, then that's primary, primary, of course. But if you use the parts, like, making something else uh -huh. that's, like, changing the original function of the parts, that would be considered secondary. Secondary. Yeah, because let's say that you want to use, I don't know, your hard drive. Your hard drive from your old laptop, you're going to move it to a new laptop. So I guess they'll be the primary, right? Yeah, that would, yeah, because you're retaining the original purpose of the item. Mm, true, true. Mm, okay. Well, 
we learned a lot about this. Uh, I'm glad we listened to and we also have another RDP. So uh, you can you introduce it first? Yeah, so um, in the beginning of the show, we th were thinking dumpster, and then I thought dumpster diving. So the next audio piece is focused on everything dumpster diving, and yeah, that's pretty much it, to be honest. Let's so listen exciting. to a little adventure of dumpster diving. Yes. How did this all start? When we first started brainstorming for this show, I began with the idea of going dumpster diving, and I thought it was going to be possible, completely going to happen. Because of this, I looked into locations I could go to. I talked with a few friends about RTOs they had, and most of them recommended probably going to the suburbs because it'd be like the safest option that they could think of. Because for dumpster diving, you usually have to go like when the store closes, a few like moments after, or like early in the morning, like 5 a.m. to get like the trash still full and filled with stuff um but i had to face reality and realize it was not gonna happen anytime soon and by the way i do not condone like dumpster diving don't do it by yourself it's honestly not a safe thing to do you can literally hurt yourself and get a pretty bad disease if you get injured by a trash can because a bunch of trash cans it's not a trash can it's a big metal dumpster box and it's filled with a bunch of dirty things you don't even want to know about um, from things I've read and you can end up in a lot of trouble as well with the law because it's not your property you can get in a bunch of trouble so I do not recommend or do not condone dumpster diving at all um, it is not good and if you get caught um, good luck because mm -mm. the closest I got to making this dumpster diving experience real was by joining a Facebook group called Dumpster Divers of Illinois. Honestly, if you can, go check it out. It's honestly the funniest and the most like informative like Facebook group you'll ever go to if you're interested in getting into dumpster diving. There's a lot of information on like tips if you're new, like some cool locations you can go to that have like trashes filled to the brim with products that are like in good condition, um, as well as you can find dumpster diving buddies on there as well but um yeah just learning about all of this was really interesting and just learning about all these different stories um so i decided to interview someone from school and ask them about their ideas on dumpster diving and i was really surprised to hear from them that they also um went dumpster diving once themselves and i reflected on it and thought myself i've also gone dumpster diving without even knowing it because Back then when I was younger, I found these like little cards, or my parents did. We found them in like an alleyway and we we adopted them as our own and we had them for like three years. My sister and I have like pictures of being in them and having like the greatest memories in them. When you think of dumpster diving, what do you think of? I suppose it's something that is a hobby for some people, you know, just kind of like scavenging, finding stuff. I did some of that during COVID with a couple people I met from this uh, urban farm I volunteered at. Mm -hmm. I think the, the best thing we found, we found this like really nice chair mm -hmm. that someone had just sort of thrown out. People at lab try to find stuff from the university kids because they throw out a lot of stuff when they go, they go out on break, collect stuff that people don't want. One man's trash, another man's treasure. Do you think that dumpster diving helps environments be like more eco-friendly? It's recycling. As long as you, you know, keep the stuff you find, it's, it's recycling. Um, so 
in a in a way, yes. You're not wasting anything when you pick stuff up. But do you think that dumpster diving should be illegal? No. I mean, it's stuff that people don't want. I don't think it's wrong. Uh, I mean, technically, I don't know exactly what the law is around what, like, what's considered your property, depending where you throw it out. But, like, I don't think it's morally wrong. Also, when I was talking about these about this like radio show that we were going to be creating at YOLO, one of my friends shared with me their story of how they were named through an experience their mom had through dumpster diving. So that's also something I'm sharing with you guys today, and I hope you enjoy. Um, so there's also been some positive experiences throughout dumpster diving, and this is one I just found out about. So pretty much, my mom went dumpster diving, and she found a hoodie, and then on the tag of the hoodie, someone had written Maud on it, and so that's how she named me Maud. So, yeah. So through this group, it got me thinking about constant stigmas that aren't talked about in the dumpster diving community. One of them being, I was reading this article after the matter of joining the dumpster diving group on Facebook and it was about this lady that you know dumpster dives herself in pretty high-end neighborhoods in Chicago and she would find like pretty expensive items and she would resell them I mean obviously to make money on the side but in the comments there's like a good amount of people that were kind of attacking her for doing this as a lifestyle if you want to do it you can do it it was just really annoying because I know for a fact that if it was not a person of color and it was someone that was white passing of any sort they would be praising them and and considering them like such an eco-friendly person i learned about this new term called freegals and they also have this culture i guess that's called freeganism um they basically i'm quoting something from this article waving the banana at capitalism political theater and social movement strategy among new york's freegan dumpster divers so midway through the article it talks about this culture and the quote-unquote boundaries of freeganism, which it says this, these scholarly portrayals of freegans as quote-unquote dropping out and creating an independent subculture are consistent with how freegans represent their own ideology. The unofficial freegan manifesto is an anonymous pamphlet called Why Freegan, basically created in 2000, presents freegans as individuals who have made a complete break with the con- conventional economy and mainstream society um so if you want to learn more about freegal freegalism and freeganism i really generally don't know how to pronounce this um there's a site that they actually created and it's called freegan.info and well i decided to check out the site and it's like this whole thing um and it explains what a freegan is and and they have like media coverage, a whole part about philosophy, organizations and communities, facts and statistics, their practice, translation, and directories. Well, freegans are generally found, or most freegan events, as in their site, are in New York City, and it's pretty well updated. Um, They have a whole section for events in New York City that are happening in November, so if you're interested in that, like, Go ahead and check that out if you're going to be in New York or if you live in New York and you're interested about learning more about this, these freegans in their culture. It's really interesting in its own way. So I would totally recommend to go check out the website because it goes into specifics about 
every single thing about who they are and why this was started. So going back to this dumpster diving, I just hopped on the dumpster diving group once again. And there's Ooh. this one lady that posted about all the stuff that was dumped in an Ulta beauty shop. And I think it was like Northridge, I believe. And it's just crazy how much waste there is because it's things that you would expect for um, people to buy and there not to be anywhere. But it's brand new things like unused that are just out here for the free to open and stuff. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. And I like how in your audio piece you brought up the fact how depending on what your appearance is, um, the way you are perceived can be different if you're dumpster diving. Mm -hmm. If if a a person is dumpster diving and they are maybe they have a car and that's visible that they own the car and they're digging in the trash, maybe the police will be asking them, like, what are you doing and why are you doing? And maybe they leave them alone. Um, But if there was a person that looked homeless and they were digging for food or who knows what, um, they may be harassed or arrested. So I think that's something to really consider about the different privileges and how some things are glamorized for mm-hmm. others and um, dehumanize when a different type of person is participating in the same thing. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, something else to talk about is the things we found in the dumpster diving group. I remember we were talking about it and I, mm-hmm. I was screen sharing on like Google Meets or the Zoom that we were on. And um, there was like a bunch of people showing like everything they got. And there came up a question like, where does this come become like kind of like an unhealthy thing? Because some people just get like an absurd amount of things. Like when we got when we found that image of the lady that she was like, we we scored, and then it's like her truck filled with like brand new items from this like Halloween shop, and then it's like her baby in the background <laughs> like oh, sleeping. Yeah, I remember. yeah, so it was like an interesting thing to think about. Um, I think Sebastiana brought that up, but it was just a really interesting point that she brought up. Yeah, I think there's a a very thin line between, oh, I have this hobby and I'm a hoarder. You know, like at some point, like there has to be some boundary set where it could be too. I can imagine that it gets really overwhelming in those Mm -hmm. households because if the stuff is in the trash, then obviously it was too much to be consumed. And now you're taking it home. Like, are you going to use everything? Like, what do you Mm -hmm. do with it now that it's in your house? I feel like some of this stuff is also being resold, I mm-hmm. guess. They don't necessarily need it. And I mean, it's just a smart thing to do, you know. Like, you don't need it. You think it has some value. Why not just sell it to someone who might actually need it or might find a good use for it? You know, that's, that's, that's just how I see it. Uh, going off with this, thinking about second chances with garbage mm-hmm. and what we can make with garbage, like arts and craft and restoring. And like someone said on the um, questions that were asked of um, things they regret throwing out, um, especially like jewelry. So fixing broken items and thinking about biodegradable trash. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the things that we brought that up earlier, too, is like dumpster diving also counts as when... You pass by the alley and you see some, like, like let's say, uh, like an old TV or an old table and you take it. And it's funny because my dad has found decent stuff, 
like that. And two of the things that I remember the most, it's pretty funny. A uh, long time ago, he found a TV, um, a fully functional TV in, in the alley. And it was an old TV, but it still, it still worked. So he took it home and it was everything was just going fine until they find out that the TV will just turn on by itself. Mm. <laughs> oh. And, and they were like, oh, probably, because the way that they found about it is that my mom and my dad were in the room and they were just thinking, oh, well, let's turn on the TV and they couldn't find a remote. But at that moment, the TV turned on by itself. Oh, bye. Wow. And then ever since that moment, they, they were just expecting the TV to turn on at all, like just randomly. That's crazy. And then one other thing that just blew my mind that my dad found. My brother at that time, he was like three or five years old. He went through a Lego phase. He loved Legos. And casually, my dad, just driving through the alley, he found two full buckets full of Legos, mm -hmm. like just Lego pieces. And I mean, for some people, it might not be the big deal. But for me, I actually kind of like Legos that time. This buckets were, buckets were full of Lego pieces, the toys. And they had like, there were like some sets that were like broken out, broken apart. But it was just like, you will carry the, the buckets. They were heavy. So I'm just wondering who threw like, who threw away all these Lego pieces, you know? And mm -hmm. my brother was just so happy. <laughs> yeah. He, he just he took advantage of all those Legos. Yeah, that's one of the things that just stuck out for me. That reminds me of one time when we were cleaning out. I remember at my old apartment, my brother had this box that was just filled with Legos. And we also, like, threw out the Legos. But what we did is we kept them out of the trash just in case, like, anyone passing by that mm -hmm. saw them or that would want them. Did they find out that was you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. They could just, like, grab the Legos and go. And another thing is that when we were moving out of our apartment, we, like, kind of, like, also threw away – or not threw away, but left out, like, a bunch of, like, furniture we knew that we wouldn't, like – bring to like our new house mm -hmm. and it was just like really nice because my parents would see people like just grab it like in excitement because it's like this whole new brick thing that you can bring to your house and it's like yours and it's and it's free I don't know I just feel like there's a different type of sense of ownership when you find like this prized and token thing that you know that's gonna like really help you and your family like I guess have like a really important and open moment like Brian did with his Legos <laughs> like yeah it's like amazing heck yeah I definitely think that I've kind of dumpster dived before. I, I was just thinking about how when I was in college and I lived in a dorm, um, at the end of the year when everyone would be moving out, there would be this section on the main floor of the dorm where everybody would put the things that probably couldn't fit in their car or they just, just didn't want to take back home with them. And it would be some really good stuff. I mean, lamps, garbage cans, brooms, um, all kinds of stuff, printers, like people what? will really abandon a whole bunch of stuff. And every year that was what I was most excited about. <laughs> <laughs> I would be getting all that stuff, like even down to like makeup and hair products that have clearly never been open before. So I, yeah. I remember one time, like my brother, it was like his first year at DePaul or something. He went through one of the dorms. I remember, I think it was, and they were like, literally got like a whole big tv in his room because of it he wow. like made it like his like third monitor so he basically he had smart. like two computers and then a huge tv so he would like mm. be playing video games and you just see it on the tv as well it was like insane how much things that like 
we think won't work and then someone else like literally like one man's trash another man's treasure which is really cool to think about well and this is how we wrap up our first hour of the show what's up radioactive no littering in this show to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio broadcasting live from Studio B in Bridgeport. My name is Yolo and I'm here with Ryan, Sebastiana, and Angel. This is our second hour. In the first hour we talked about your littering confessions and we had a moment where we talked about dumpster diving as well. We listened to three great audio pieces about dumpster diving, recycling, and we found out where our trash goes, created by our very own people at Yolo Cali. For the second hour, we will be listening to a wonderful interview with the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization that was done by Brian and Sebastiana. Brian, could you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, um, for this interview, we interview the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization, aka El Vejo, and we got the chance to interview Jackie and Leslie two amazing people, and they to- told us uh, a lot about how to create awareness on learning how to maintain our ecosystem or environment clean. And also we learn more about opportunities that they can offer you guys if you guys live around the Chicago area. So let's go and listen to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jackie, Jackie Vasquez, park organizer with Alvejo. I use they, them pronouns as well. Hi y'all, my name is Leslie Cortez. I'm the youth organizer with Levejo. I use they them pronouns. Okay, one 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 question I have right here. So how do you pronounce it? El Vejo or El Levejo? Ooh, that's a good question. I think there's honestly, no wrong way. Yeah, honestly, like we just we just go by whatever it is, e- like whatever is easier for folks to like address us by. I know, like I've heard, like el huevo, <laughs> al vejo or levejo. Um, so it's it's funny. That is that is amazing. I love I love el, el huevo. I'll, I'll probably I'm never gonna get that on my mind actually. <laughs> one also one thing I want to ask you guys. Uh, can you guys tell us what el vejo is first of all? So Alvejo has been a community organization that's been around for more than 20 years already. They started off at the Gary Elementary School and it started off with a group of parents who were really interested in um, just creating more open spaces for their families and also just learning about the different ways in where they could continue advocating for the environment, so bringing clean air, bringing sustainable transportation and other things. But Alvejo's main focus is on environmental justice work, but we also do recognize that a lot of our work intersects with many, many other works. So that also like includes like workers' rights. Yeah, there was a lot of interested parents who were noticing a lot of health like emergencies for young children around the Gary Elementary area. And so there was a lot of like hospital run visits that were happening. Young people were ending up in the hospital for having breathing issues. And it turns out that parents were experiencing um, 
just poor air quality from the coal factory that was very close, like right in the backyard of residents back homes. And so it was something that really ignited the community to have it shut down and to really start prioritizing like people over profits, health over profits. Young people in the community don't have to compromise air because an industry wants to be located right in the middle of the city. And so I think it galvanized the community to really like make this a, a really long fight. It was something that lasted for 12 years and right over it now exists um, a park space, which folks know as like La Vita Park. And so there, um, as Jackie was saying, now we have um, different like teammates there too, right? We have Jackie there with me Parque program and we have Vivi, Nateo, other community members as well who support with the farm efforts and just trying to make sure that like, not only are we talking about, you know, ways to take care of the planet, but also like socially toxic things that can impact our health, that can take up land, like a coal factory that took up a lot of land. And now there's a farm that produced like a ton of food, like literally over the summer. And it, and it was its first like growing season. Oh, I have a question from that also. So was that factory the one that used to be my Bob Pulaski maybe, or am I, am I mistaken? Yeah, the Crawford Coal Power Plant, that one mm -hmm. was on, is, is well, was on Pulaski. And right now um, you see the target, the target. Um, target like facility there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and yeah, it was pretty yeah. close. That's, yeah, that's but also like in La Vita Park, you had the Silotech site and they did the like coal tarring material. So that's some talk that very cancerous, toxic material that was being like done at this site. Thank you guys for sharing the work you guys doing is very important. So the next question is, what is your favorite insect? I'm always ready with this question. So for me, I love, love, love honeybees. I think they're incredibly intelligent, collective communities. Um, not a lot of folks know this, but a bee will do this thing called the wobble dance, where they communicate visually with their community about the position of the sun and about how uh, far away flowers or like yeah, like flowering plants are. And so then they can go and collect honey. And so it's just really beautiful. And I feel like I love seeing just the way that they like protect one another, the way they sustain our life. And so I actually incorporate them into my art. And so I, I really love like honeybees, bumblebees, like all kinds of bees. That's awesome. I like I like the, the little wobbly thing that they said. I can just imagine doing them. I don't have a favorite insect. I'm pretty scared of them, but I guess just for now, I would say the prey mantis. They look like aliens. Okay, the next question is, being in Little Village, what are some injustices you see in the community when it comes to the environment and littering? You see a variety of different things. And so like something that you tend to hear is just um, like, oh, the community doesn't care. That's why they're littering like all over their neighborhood. And a lot of the times it's not really that. You could see just in general, like with the city, disinvestment in many of BIPOC communities. 
So like something that I've been seeing within the park district itself, the last three years is that they haven't been properly like maintaining the park spaces. So they're not sending folks to clean up these spaces as often. We're also not fixing a lot of the materials or things that are needed in order to keep the space safe and clean. So that even includes like toxic waste, right? So like if you're like at La Vita Park and you need to use a washroom, that washroom is closed like half of the year. But even when it is open, a lot of the things are not properly fixed. So there's like broken toilets, broken sinks, not enough like trash bins, recycling bins around the area. So you could see all sorts of different things that contribute to littering, waste, in our com community. But that's just one of the things that I've been noticing myself and something that I've been hearing from community that they've been expressing about themselves too. Uh, for me, I would agree and I would add on that like, I think it's, uh, it's very interesting when corporations or governments and especially like local government, they push that responsibility onto individual families, people where we can like tie it back to like like how we as a society don't set up enough like drop-off areas for recycled goods right like um we know when we go downtown we see them almost on every corner like oh you can deposit like recycled cans aluminum or sometimes it becomes up the priority of a business to take on that responsibility whereas like countries overseas or even not having to go that far like if we visit different counties or different states we see there is a, a priority of recycling goods and so i know in new york city um every like family household does have to recycle and they're very strict about recycling and there's even like um like tickets that they give out and then for chicago there is a blue bin program and also at the same time where are these blue bins in parks and in our communities? And so like, why is that responsibility put on us when it's like there are industries who are producing things we cannot use again? A lot of times, a lot of the recycled goods can't be used again because it's just not like feasible for the materials. And so I really like this topic because I think that it really brings to attention like how we can talk about like all of the different ways that exist, right? Like there is power that community members do have and also just like, just as much power as community members have, like so do like industries and the city. And so, yeah, like we're gonna get into it, but I definitely agree. I think that's like one area that definitely like highlighting, but also like if we look at um, littering and pollution, it also makes me think about how Little Village, especially on 31st Street, there's a high school on 31st Street and there are young people who walk home and there are idle trucks. And so like part of our duty with Levejo, um, and especially with the Just Transition team is like being able to talk about how this impacts like our bodies because that is a form of littering. Like these are like industry trucks that are like bringing out all these fumes. And so I feel like those are areas that we're really passionate about. Okay, and yeah, talking about littering, also what do you think are the consequences of littering and do you have any uh, initiative that highlights preventing littering? There's many different ways in which like littering can affect people. So just overall, 
like aesthetic wise that's one of them right it doesn't look nice to see all this trash piling up in our community right but on top of that um, depending on what is littered it could be super harmful for community um so there's glass and it's glass on soccer fields on or any sort of field right and anyone could be walking anyone could fall trip now you have a cut right so somebody could get hurt by that and also just like not properly disposing of items so there's like um, like syringes occasionally that we may find around the neighborhood so how do we properly dispose of that in a safe manner too so there's waste stuck in like waterways and in if it's like drinking water uh, we don't know how like the process of cleaning that water is and on the long run it could potentially harm a person's health later on and not just that not just by consuming that water too but if you have um like dumping grounds the rain is starting to suck up like that water in and then that rain that same rain water just falls on us and just you know like you could see like rashes on your skin and all these other things but just long term it really does affect your overall health yeah and, and to piggyback off what jackie said when we don't have an investment of waste disposals of recycling like on a on an agency like on a government agency end i think that tells the community about how much we're valued and for suerte for luck like our community we do care about each other and so we do just on a community and we do see neighbors picking up garbage we do see community members like even if they didn't do it like they'll pick stuff up and so it's just something that's really beautiful that we get to see in la vita park or even at the farm we see folks picking up trash because there is this like high value of taking care of the land and then on the end of like what are some of the things that Levejo does to make sure that like we're taking care of the land is that Jackie is part of the Mi Parque program where they have park cleanups and so community members can get together to build solidarity and also to like care for the parks because this misconception that like oh like people don't care about these parks like people don't attend them no like people are out there every single day like I run into elders who are like today I did 23,000 steps and they show me on their phone and I'm just like, yes, like get your steps in. And so like while they're doing that, like they're talking to neighbors and we're looking out for each other and like really taking care of each other. And that's not to say that like there are issues that are impacting the community, that littering isn't something that like it's there and we definitely see it, but also like there is a resistance and there is a, that resistance is care. What are your thoughts on dropping fruit pills out the window? Is it considered to be littering? or harmful to the environment? I won't lie, I've been guilty of it myself sometimes. So like if I'm eating like a strawberry and it's just a little like stem, like I'll leave it there. I, I try to do my best, like if it's a big item, you know, like a banana peel, I don't want to leave it there. Um, but also just pro tip, I guess, with those banana peels, you could do, um, like your own chips so like if you really like air fry them or something you could get some really good chips out of it you could do um like a plant-based beef jerky through the through that yes people also use a fork to like make the banana peel into like strips and so they'll like marinate it and make it into um different like proteins if you're just like i don't know if i could eat 
banana peel, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna have somebody else cook it in the meantime. If the banana peel, if the apple core, the pear, if it doesn't make its way into the soil and it's on concrete, we wanna say probably not a good habit. We wanna empower people to make like food and fruit, like ends, like all these little bits. We wanna make sure it gets into soil because soil is what's gonna like decompose the materials. And so what's harmful is like if the food scraps are in a landfill because a landfill has so much that is trying to decompose it can't and so it produces methane so that's where the harm comes and so for folks who are like okay i'm gonna put it on the grass like make sure to maybe like bury a little hole like try and make its way into the soil because soil health is really really important like i want to say like the first foot to three feet of soil is like where all of the action happens that's where like all of this amazing networks of organisms create our food and so we refer to that as a mycelium network and so it can be powerful and it can be effective and it would be really good if it can make its way into the soil rather than it just kind of sitting on top some people do like putting their food scraps on plants so some people put like eggshells some people do banana peels and it is really really good for the earth because it has like I mean, technically, like all of our bodies are made of proteins, like proteins is like a really loose biology term, but it has these really amazing like chemical structures that are like really good for the plants. And so the TD, what is it? Too long, didn't read. Answer of it is if it can make its way into the soil, that could be amazing. If folks want to learn about how to compost, we do have folks at the farm who can teach about that. And if folks are interested, we could definitely provide that. I like your answer right there because one of our next questions was like, do you think can our communities learn about biodegradable products and recycling? Maybe we want to add into recycling as well. Yeah, like with composting, all folks really need is like a little bit of dirt, cardboard boxes that are wet, and it has to be very specific materials that go into composting. And so there is kind of like a little bit of like science or requirements that go behind it, but nothing that's impossible. And then when it comes to recycling, same thing, like there are some like arrows at the bottom of our food or our beverages and it'll say whether or not, but some of the best ways to know whether or not something's recyclable is if it goes in your mouth, most chances is you cannot recycle it um, just due to like, just the type of plastic that is necessary for it. And so it usually ends up being like utensils, like napkins, anything that like food touches, like all that stuff can't be recycled. But like packaging most of the time is if we look for that, like the five or six arrow. But as we had mentioned earlier, like looking at the bigger picture of it all, I think all of us challenging how things are made, where they're made from, how often we consume things, and also like the production of it, but then also like, you know, how are we going to give that back? So are there like glass products that we can store things in and then we can return them to the stores? Are there, you know, like just incentives that we can provide so that people can return things because then that would make the biggest impact and that would reduce like having to make constantly new things. Like it's just not a sustainable practice like for the next 20 years. Right. And I was going to also recommend there's a website that goes by Recycle by City. Um, and, it, and it goes over a couple different cities, but it shows you the different ways that Chicago recycles and it includes the recycling schedule, trash pickup schedule. And it also like 
sh like shows you a, a guide of all the different materials that you can and can't recycle or how to recycle or where you could also leave those so there's like you know the foam i know that's something that's really hard to recycle or like some people don't think it's doable but it is there's like one location here in chicago that does that it's a little bit more down south i don't remember the exact name but on this website there's a quiz that you can take and you could go over some of the things that you may know and also learn some different things that you might not have known about recycling that's awesome actually that reminded me uh i live i live right now in worth which is in the south side and every year they send us at the schedule of when like let's say like recycle comes and when like just like regular trash comes and like that gives you like an exact schedule like what when we can like move our trash bins in the, in the, in the front so maybe maybe that has to do a little bit what you said but also that thank you for uh, letting us know i didn't know i didn't know about that yeah and like even recycling i think even for me i'm still learning about a like many different things some something that i'm trying to dive in a little bit more like instead of like recycling right it's um how do i upcycle some of my items so there's a lot of like cool diys out there and some of the things that you may not have think about so definitely always check out instagram pinterest tiktok for those guides on how you could reuse your items upcycle them yes and you know, while we build this bridge of like trying to hold corporations accountable, trying to make sure our city invests in our communities, like there are some things that folks do. Some folks do like something called eco bricks. And so in things that aren't like recyclable, they'll try and stuff like an item with all of the little like wrappers, everything that's not recyclable, they'll try and like really, really like stuff it hard. So it becomes like a brick, like a brick of like things that we can't use and you can use that for like projects or some folks use like these. I've seen like these homes of like mud homes, but then like the, the inside part is like, like recycled bottles or just all of these different materials. And so if we don't want like little tiny things to like make its way back into our waterways, like that's one thing that folks are doing. And also there is this, like going back to composting, there is a program called the Urban Canopy. And so they do um, do like household pickups. And so through them, we were able to like kind of get into composting. So it's like, you just have a bucket and a lid and you put all your food scraps in there that meet like the requirements. And then they take those scraps block from block in Chicago. And it's just folks who like volunteer their time and they pick up the materials and then they convert that into compost for that summer or that spring. And so you can actually like donate your compost materials or you can get that back. And so it does come with a fee, unfortunately, but there's also, if you check in with us at Levejo, um, I know some folks were giving us like their lawn um, waste, like all the leaves. And so we, we use that for like composting for the, farm and then also for the garden and also being able to like tap into if you already know somebody who's doing it like tap in and just be like can I like deliver my scraps like is it okay if I put it in a plastic bag I could put it in my freezer I'll put stuff in there and then I can drop it off and or if um there are like um orgs who are doing it we all have that one like 
farmer on the block who they got goods growing and just asking them like, hmm, like, how do you compost? Because um, we do have a lot of people who do know and there's a lot of like community knowledge, a lot of community science. Um, and so, yeah, just tapping in with neighbors, like tapping in with ores, like it's really good. But yeah, like we would definitely love to like help out with, you know, raising more awareness because it's important for us to create a system where it's returning back and not necessarily being disposed of because disposed of is one time. And when we can't return that back into the ecosystem, like that means that a lot of weight, a lot of energy went into it, a lot of labor. And then it's just like, just for it to have one use, like that's not good for our planet. What are some concepts that you wish people were more aware of in regards to environmental justice? I think one is definitely being patient with yourself. Um, like, don't beat yourself up because you're not on top of all these different aspects. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, we're all learning and we're all like learning as we go. And also these are habits that we just got to continuously work on. Like for myself, like my issue is like takeout. I try to like minimize the amount of takeout I would have or opt out for takeout and just make my own meals at home if I can. And also like check in, like Leslie mentioned earlier, like check in with um, community folks or even just like your neighborhood. There's different things that could be happening around. Don't hesitate to ask about resources because there's always something out there. I know for like the last question, I forgot to mention this, but there's the Chicago Parks Foundation and every year they've been supporting Alvejo with the park cleanups that we've been hosting. And so they provide materials um, and reusable gloves for folks to come out there and have their cleanups. And um, we do it as a group, but also like if you wanna do it on your own time or with your own like circle of friends, you could do so through the Chicago Parks Foundation. But also if you're interested, don't hesitate in reaching out to Alvejo as well. And we could work something out and support the efforts being done. I think for myself, um, just thinking about like concepts or things that folks can know, learn is like even just defining environmental justice. Like I think a lot of folks and when I was younger, like I didn't even know environmental justice was a thing. I was just like, I really care about people and I really care about science. And like I didn't know I could put them together. And so I think for me, like even just defining environmental justice, because there's a lot of assumptions or like maybe it's like you know, also just not maybe seen in popular media too, but the idea that environmental justice has been happening for like generations and generations. And so environmental justice is communities who are most impacted by environmental harms and risk. And so these are referred to as environmental justice communities. And there are factors like just having disproportionate exposure to environmental hazards or being vulnerable to hazards. And so, you know, this can overburden a community. And so when we talk about environmental justice, we highlight how there's a lot of, like we like to think of it like as a knot and there's a lot of little knots inside of it. And so it's not just like, oh, we care about the animals or um, we're like in the grass looking at insects. Like it also is like us looking at labor and workers' rights is us looking at health and reproduction, right? Like the United Workers, or I'm sorry, the United Farmers from the really popular like grape movement, 
it all started because community members were like, the pesticides are impacting like how we, like our, our children and how we're able to like have children. And so like that was the, the very beginning of it. And so environmental justice is like very layered, has a lot of different things that kind of pull it into each other. And so, yeah, just being able to know that environmental justice is not just like location or like animals, but it's a, it's an addition of like all these different things that can impact our like lives, even impacts us like socially, right? Like littering isn't just like us dropping like something on the ground. Like there's a visceral reaction to that. Like we have feelings when we see that happening. And so if we start to follow that story, we go into like, you know, where's the investment here or like, so yeah, I could keep going on about this forever. I'm sorry, but environmental justice is definitely a, a concept to really like explore. Hey there, we're back. Remember, you are listening to WLPNLP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, live from Studio B in Bridgeport. This is What's Up Radio Active Show. No lettering in the show. We know how much you guys are loving the interview with El Vejo, so why not we go and listen to the rest of it? Okay, and also while we were researching about you guys, we noticed that um, water health seems to be a big focus as of right now for El Vejo. And we would like to know what led to this interest for you guys. I could share a little bit about that because I feel like at least the water work definitely touches up on our different teammates. Onto like even for Alvejo, why they even decided to start like digging into water work. One, we definitely have like community members just like the need for water. There was like a increase of water shut shutoffs in the neighborhood, and so just basically just to help tend that need, Alvejo was supporting in like handing off waters, but also thinking about like how are we reducing our waste. Um, but also like we're not like um. Or at least, like, how do we reduce like the waste while also continue supporting our community? So they were sharing um, water filters to community and handing out some reusable water bottles with the filters as well mm. uh, for folks who may need it. I know a lot of people like definitely needed the like the water bottles drop offs just you know for their own reasons. But aside from just that need, there's also the issue with the lead pipes. So if you consume lead, it's just toxic to your body and it could harm a lot of, um, like it could affect your brain in a lot of different ways. And so that that's like one of the reasons for why we're even like diving into a little bit more into that. And also Little Village used to be like one of the sites um, where like like those um, transportation ships would pass by. I think at one point, like the collateral channel was connected to the Bubbly Creek. And so even if you go down the collateral channel waterway by there on the sanitary ship canal, you could see it bubbling up and those bubbles are methane gas. And that's like residual from what happened like many years ago. So like that was like over 50 years. I don't know the exact number for that, but it continues to affect us even to this day. There was plans or ideas of putting a cap into that waterway, but even, but something that 
they're considering that could happen if they do try to cover it is that because of the methane it could make that site explode so that's scary yeah and for jackie and myself we usually get the updates from our teammates so we're gonna do our best like if they're listening in uh, we're trying but <laughs> we're listening <laughs> no and so yeah we have um a really great team who as Jackie was saying, was really trying to advocate for relief for families who didn't want to have their water shut off. So in replacing lead service lines, um, also including a program for utility relief because like water is essential to life and to like to put a paywall behind water is like unreal sometimes. And so, yeah, we have some fierce advocates who are constantly pressuring the city, but also the state to make sure that people have access to drinking water and not just any type of drinking water, like quality water that doesn't have any levels of lead. And so there will, there's gonna be people who will try and say like, oh, it has a little bit of lead, like that's okay. And it's like, no, it's not okay. Like just to like create a visual on the chemistry side, like imagine that our body is kind of like a Christmas tree or a, or a pine tree, if we wanna just say a pine tree. And so when you hang ornaments on it, right? Like it's not gonna impact the branches because the weight, we're used to how much we, the weight of the ornament is. But imagine lead, lead is very heavy, it's a metal. It, its characteristic is like, they say corrosive, which is like damaging. And so imagine that lead is a bowling ball on a branch. Right, like that's gonna, the branch will be able to support how heavy that metal is. And so um, that's what happens internally in our bodies when lead binds to like our internal system. And so, yeah, our team is like fiercely advocating for an immediate removal of these lead service pipes because um, I believe that the city can do it. They, there is funds to do this and so for us, it's just a matter of like, what's the holdup? Like, let's go. Like, is it because it's going to interrupt businesses? Is it because we have to invest in families? Is it because? And so um, we're just here to like keep raising alarms. And, and so, yeah. That Christmas tree visual is very impactful. I can only imagine like all the way down the little branch. Yes. Like chemistry is so, it gives us such a beautiful like visual story of like chemicals and stuff. And so we need people in chemistry, like this is me to the community, like, but also chemistry is hard and that's done as a community too. Like you need your, your group of folks to help you pass chemistry. Working with El Dejo, how do you feel you have become more aware about issues within the community? This is a good question. I think for myself, um, one thing that it has really highlighted is just like, how these things do connect. And like an issue that has really come to like the front of this is just how like we are like regulated on land, like especially like black and brown youth, community members, families. And it really speaks to how like we have this culture of white supremacy, like, like there's like vibrations of colonialism that exists and we're still seeing it in different ways and there's ways that like community members have challenged it and also like just thinking about how we have to really really like combat this culture of like oh we don't like we don't deserve clean air like you know because we live in this zip code we 
should be seen like this or thought of as worthy as like this much. And I think that us taking up space, like geographical space, us saying that like water is essential to life, like there shouldn't be a paywall behind it. Us being able to say that like, no, there should be an investment in green spaces in La Vita and in parks that aren't just on the north side. I think it's really like brought the idea home that environmental justice, that the work that we're doing at Levejo and in the community is, is really interconnected with a lot of different struggles. For me, I really like, like learning and hearing from community like firsthand what exactly they like to see and what are the things that they're seeing or noticing in the neighborhood. Um, a lot of a lot of the times that's just how I get my information is just through them sharing with me some good spots or you know some of those hot spots there like in the neighborhood the park interesting conversations that I've had even just at McDonald's sitting with the señoras there just learning about the things that community cares about is interesting it, it just because like you know a lot of these things connect but I just, I just like to hear from them first and see like what's on their mind firsthand and just supporting those ideas, those visions and sharing, continue to share those resources with them. Anytime we have space to break bread and not just, you know, to talk about the serious, serious, heavy, dirty stuff, right? But just, you know, sharing the space um, and acknowledging that while we have all this going on and it's scary, but we could still make something beautiful out of this. Thank you guys for your time. Our last question is, could you share your favorite park to go to? Ooh, so at least for me, like I always go to Prochowski Park. That's like my go-to park when it comes to my friends. I grew up like two blocks away from it. So that's just like my go-to anytime that I can with my friends. Like we're just hanging out. Um, but also Pink Tom Park is a very beautiful park that's also like, just like, you know, one bus, one bus like away from the neighborhood. But those are like my two go-to parks, definitely. Wow, Jackie, same. I love the way that the Petrowski Park, like the trees, they're so high up. And like when you walk in it just, it creates like this beautiful like umbrella of like green leaves right over you. It's so beautiful in the summertime. And when we go to talk to community members, like sometimes I just have to be like, I have to stop staring at the branches. Like, all right, let me look around and see, you know, who I haven't spoke to yet. But yeah, just very magical, beautiful tall trees in Petrowski Park and then same like, um, I think one of my favorite parts in Tom Ping Park is being able to walk through the garden area. And so we were there with youth this past summer. We were able to see like these beautiful caterpillars um, just being squishy and like huge and just munching on leaves. And so all of the patos, all of the ducks that were there and um, not to mention like really close yummy food too. So definitely a spot. Oh, honorable mention though, um, La Vita Park, of course. Um, but also just cause I never been to Mexico myself, but one, one thing that different folks say is that um la vita park like the way that it's laid out they were like the plan is or like the vision was for this park to be built like the parks in mexico so like something that i've heard is just that the parks in mexico they're known for their long walking paths and the trees 
and stuff. And while right now the trees at La Vita Park are small, but I'm just like looking forward to like the next 10 years to see how this path looks. And also I'm just interested to hear from folks like, it, the, like is it really like in Mexico? So I really want to know. Is there anything that you would like to share with us, plus thoughts? Anything for the audience as well, for the listener? Ooh, see, si. just be on the lookout for like future Alvejo events. So starting next year, something that we're planning on working on for next year over like spring, summer is some seedling tree workshops. Um, we want to add more trees, more native plants to our park spaces, but not only that, like Alvejo and William Estrada are working on the Little Village uh, murals project. And so that's something that they want to like do over the summer. And it would be a, it would be an opportunity for community folks to join us and create some like a beautiful mural together. And we also have, we will have um, farm volunteer days too. So if you're interested in learning about composting, um, how to care for the land. There will be plenty of opportunities for that. We'll also be hosting um, monthly cleanups. Um, and then probably during the fall, it, they will become weekly. Yes, if you are a young person and you are on the west and south side and you were really captivated by a lot of the stuff that we talked about today where you're like, wait a minute, like, I didn't know about water or I didn't know about putting the pressure on corporations or even just a little bit of history about Chicago, please join us this next summer. Uh, we pay $20 an hour to learn about environmental justice and you get to connect with local organizations who are also doing this work. And environmental justice has so many beautiful avenues to go through. There's so much beautiful resistance, so much beautiful art. And so, yeah, please join us this summertime. Definitely look out for our announcements of when we put out the application. Usually it happens like late spring, early summertime. But yes, we invite everybody to learn about environmental justice. Where can we look out for, to keep you updated? Do you guys have any social media? Yes, we are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, we also have our website, lvejo.org, so levejo.org. And so um, you'll see the updates there, but definitely on social media. And then if you actually reach out to your locali, we can definitely connect through there too. And so again, it's a program for young people, for folks 14 to 22. And so, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. We appreciate you guys coming with us. Once again, it means a lot to us and especially for the community since we want to just raise awareness about um, just learning and just uh, environmental justice because we think that not other people know about this and it's something that definitely not just in Little Village but just all around the world need to be aware of. Yes. And people can join. Oh wait, the PAC meetings. I know the next one is like the last one we're having is next week. Oh, yeah, no, we already had the last pack meeting of the season, but it's just for the year. Um, we're wrapping up, but we'll, we'll get back to it with the Park Advisory Council meetings starting like March, April. And if you go on Facebook and look for La Vita Park Advisory Council, you can see some of our updates. 
but also like Alvejo, like if you sign up for Alvejo's newsletter, um, oftentimes they share the flyer for the park advisory council meetings. And also like if you're at the park, at La Vita Park specifically, feel free to stop by the farm all the way to the end. That's by the parking space by 31st. You'll see a bulletin board and there we will share pack meeting dates and also all sorts of different like community events that could be happening. And also don't hesitate or send us information resources or um, or events that you would like to share with community and we could also post that up in our bulletin board yes and we always want to support community members who want to spearhead this work like if there are community members who are like i want to start like composting club today we'll be like all right like you know this is how we can support and so we definitely want to just uplift the work that people are doing now too i learned so much today thank you guys so much yeah, definitely really informative. I was not expecting to learn, uh, listen to so many things. I'm really thankful and also it's going to be really helpful for not just us, but everyone in the future. Once again, thank you so much for listening to us. We just had an interview with... With Leslie Cortez, youth organizer at the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization. Jackie Vasquez, park organizer with the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Hey y'all, we're back. Um, once again, I just want to take a moment and say thank you to everyone else, uh, everyone from El Vejo. Um, it was a really fun interview. And thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Leslie, for taking some of your time and talk to us and tell us all these amazing facts and also opportunities that you guys uh, have to offer. Once again, you can follow them on social media and Instagram. I think they say also Facebook at El Vejo, L-V- J-O. Yes, I think I said it right. Yeah. But uh, our next uh, segment that we have, um, each each one of us here on our team, we gather some poopy facts. That's what we call them. And they're basically really quick facts about just trash and waste and littering. And I am going to start with mine. Uh, I got mine from um, a show from... Chile, the country, is called 31 Minutos, and they have a segment where one of their characters, his name is Juan Carlos Bodoque, he's a red bunny, he goes on adventures and talks about environment and stuff like that, and one of the most famous ones, segments that he had, it's called La Ruta de la Caca, which is the, the poop route. And in this segment, he found out, he found out that the water from the toilet and our households is actually mixed with all of the water like that the we have in our house, like for example, the sink and the shower. Also, the, we find out that an average person, let's say they go poopy twice a day. <laughs> and let's say, multiply that, uh, like the or poop, like multiply that by 360 days of the, of the year, of the, in a year. And that it, it's equal to 146 um, kilo, kilos of poop a year for one person. So what they did is that they made some math. And between the 15 million people living in Chile times 146, that's equal to 
2,190 million of poop produced in, the, in that country a year. Imagine from all the people all around the world. That is so crazy. And gross. Yeah. But, like, let, they didn't account for people that, like, you know, have it hard someday. So <laughs> I think I think some of that may be a little wrong. Yeah. But also, he also went to the place where, where he is from, to place where all this stuff where that is flushed from the toilet ends up. In. And one of the things that he pointed out is that the smell was horrendous. Mm. Uh, he also dove, he also <laughs> dove into the actual water and he where he found a lot of things and he mentioned that there was a lot of blood oil detergent industry wastes and of course a lot of poop how do you feel about that sebastiana you guys um, cannot see her face oh, but wait, she looks so uncomfortable um it's so cringe just like he had on protection right some form of gear <laughs> yeah he had they, they literally threw through the the puppet because it's a puppet and it's funny but yeah like he pointed out that there was a lot of things in there mm, yeah. but it's it's not over it's not over oh. that same water it's used to water the fields where a lot of the fruits and vegetables come from since it's the only uh, water or like forms of water available for them in that area a lot of people are not aware of that and when he also showed that when some people when they tell them to the people around there, they don't believe it. They, and also I had to admit, like, it's just the only way to get the water. Um, and also, he went to this other place where, like, they, the, the water also ends up that place, and they try to filter it. To, um, they try to filter the dirty water so it can come back cleaner and be reused and repeat the cycle all over again. Yeah. So that's that's the my literal poopy fact. La ruta de la caca. That is so interesting, but that kind of concerns me for waterborne illnesses, especially because most of that like is dumped out through your body through poop. So like that is so interesting to think about about like the possible viruses that can occur from mm-hmm. that. But I'm so sure that the cleaning methods are like they they didn't mention they didn't mention a lot of like diseases that we contracted if you yeah. I, even if you take a swim and the water oh that gosh. was filtered is not completely clean. I just like I just like can imagine someone like just like swimming. It's just like nothing. <laughs> it just feels like it would feel like swim like you know when you step on mud? Yeah. I just feel like that's oh what God. it would feel like. Oh like, actually you're talking about mud. <laughs> talking about mud in the place where the water was filtered. Oh, I'm sorry, Sebastian. Yeah. That was that was just like like a pile that looked like mud, which was all the poopy that mm-hmm. was not filtered. That was just waiting, waiting to be filtered. But that yeah, is that so was so exciting. Poopy fact. <laughs> Thank you for that. Very uh, useful information. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sebastiana won't be swimming in any water I won't sometime be soon. Oh, no. Having any contact. <laughs> um, my, my fact isn't as poopy as that one, but I did learn that most communities are spending more on waste management than they are on school books, fire protection, libraries, and parks. So how do you guys feel about that? I guess it's really good, but in a sense, like education should be something that should be prioritized. But also we have to think about how climate change is becoming like a very serious issue mm-hmm. for the world, like globally, as we noticed ourselves, like in Chicago, like last week, it, out of the random, it was 73 degrees out when 
the days beforehand it was like yeah pretty cold and now it's like literally like snowing and next week is going to go up again yeah so it's really concerning how bad climate change is getting um i would say so i'm kind of glad we're spending more money on climate change as of right now because i would think that how the world's being affected has a prolonged effect from 10 years from now as education does but i would say that climate change is like a top most priority i would think this is good um so my poopy fact is more focused around like marine biology um i got this from the site it's called it's the title of it was 20 surprising facts about litter and um i just thought it was interesting because growing up i was really into marine biology and um this is somewhat related to this so between sorry between 10 to 12 million metric tons of plastic waste enters the ocean each year so just think about how much like marine life is affected through that um i remember watching a tiktok earlier this week where this girl went scuba diving and um or she's a surfer sorry and she just like came out five minutes after and she has a little pocket in her suit and it was filled with trash and when i tell you she just kept on coming out with things it was insane like literally like plastic wraps of like some like um cheese it's and then you know those like spicy chips that are like cheesy kind of but not really it's not cheetos the, fr- the fries yeah, yeah, yeah. she had like a plastic bag of that and i was like that's so crazy and it's so sad to think about like how much like humanity has like trashed the yeah. earth it's really sad to think about yeah well uh for me my poopy fact is uh chicago is considered the rattiest city in the country uh, it's the radiest city for the eighth consecutive year. We're the undefeated champion. <laughs> um, so, of course, second place was New York. and But the re- the thing is, is that the results were determined by pest control calls and how often they receive rat sighting calls. And then uh, Sebastiana uh, stated that, you know, in New York, they may see rats, while for us, uh, they may see rats, and then they may not report it whatsoever. They just be like, oh, that's a rat. While here in Chicago, they may see a rat and say, oh my goodness, it's a rat, and then call pest control. So, like, the results can be sort of rigged in a way because there may be way more rats in New York, but they just don't call it in as opposed to here. Yeah, and and not just, like, New York in general. Um, Maybe other other uh, countries, uh, other states, it's the same, you know, and it's probably not the best accurate, but uh, at least we're here in Chicago. There's something being done about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I, I just can't comprehend how people in New York have become so accustomed to seeing rats that they wouldn't <laughs> even think to call to report. <laughs> They're just like going about their day like, oh, it's like a squirrel or something. Mm-hmm. But thank you for listening to all of our poopy facts. I hope you enjoyed. That's the end of our show. Thanks for listening to What's Up Radioactive No Littering on the show. We learned a lot on today's show, starting off with the dumpster diving audio piece brought to you by YOLO. We learned about the journey of our trash with Diego. And Angel taught us how to properly recycle. And finally, we ended with the Little Village Environmental Organization interview. Thanks for listening to WLPNLP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio broadcasting live from Studio B in Bridgeport. My name is Sebastiana. And I'm Brian. I'm Yolo. I'm Angel. And we thank you for tuning in today. Bye. 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 Bye.
And that's the conclusion of our program. Brought to you by the fine folks at... Oh, not you again. No! And yo, who let her back in? And that's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed whatever it is you just heard, heartwarming interviews, tear-jerking stories, magnificent music, and the sound of our voices. Because God knows that this is the best content on the airwaves. Don't forget to follow YOLO on all their social medias at YOLO Kali. And you can find all our audio content on SoundCloud, MixCloud, and Apple Podcasts. We bougie like that. Well, that's it. Bye. See you next Saturday from 12 to 2 p.m. for another episode of What's Up? What's Up? What's up?